Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Judgment Podcast. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. And today, today we're going to do something Wade and I love doing. This is this is something that we started recently, and it has just blossomed as into one of our favorite segments. Tell them a little bit about today, Wade. So some people might call it a complaining session. I don't know. Other people in different contexts might use a different B word there. But it's just things that have struck us as judges that, well, we call it bees in our judicial bonnet. We called it the pet peeves podcast, but that's a lot of peas. At the end of the day, it's, it's kind of, and shout out to Scott Van Pelt who has his own podcast and he does a little section that says things that I hate. And so <laughs> this is kind of that, but Tane, we did one of these before. And we, we can be a little lazy sometimes. And while we listen to our final product, we don't study it. But um, you want to give people the sort of the disclaimer? Yeah, the disclaimer at the beginning of this is wait, neither Wade nor I went back and listened to that uh, previous episode on uh, – uh, pet peeves podcast. So if we repeat anything today, it just means it's something that really aggravates us. And we just wanted to say it twice. That's the real reason for it. Right, Wade? It, it is. It's really funny, folks. We write these, uh, our, our sort of our notes and share them with one another. And both of us had started off the, uh, the, the, our version of the podcast notes with a disclaimer that, um, I really hope I'm not repeating what I've already said, but, um, <laughs> So anyway, if we are, it is because it's something that's that's important to us. But hopefully you gain something from this and learn what some sitting judges and soon to be not sitting judge, one sitting judge and one soon to be retired guy, the things that we have noticed along the way. Yeah. And for you uh, judges out there who are listening, uh, you know, sit back and just go, yeah, yeah, that really ticks me off, too. OK, should they do that while they're on the, the treadmill or whatever? Yeah, right. On the treadmill, walking around in, in the park, whatever you're doing while people you listen to the People are going to think the they're crazy. <laughs> people probably think that anyway. <laughs> True. So, Wade, why don't you get us started? Tell us what your first pet peeve of the day is. Pet peeve of the day, number one, lawyers who are retained but do not file an entry of appearance. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So, Uniform Superior Court Rule 4.2 says that no attorney shall appear in that capacity before a superior court until the attorney has entered an appearance by filing a signed entry of appearance form or by filing a signed pleading in a pending action. Folks, this is maddening not because... You know, it's some great rule and we're, we're real stickler for rules. But think about this. We can't give you notice of a hearing because we don't know you're involved. Right. And your client shows up because, say, in a criminal case, your client shows up for some hearing. Lawyer's not there. That makes lawyer look bad. And we didn't give you notice of it as the court because we don't have an entry of appearance. Yeah, and and I had a guy the other day do exactly this thing to me. the The client has an appointed attorney whose name I have on the docket, who's getting notices. This other attorney makes an appearance at the calendar call and says, "Well, Judge, I'm going to be representing him, but Mr. Green hasn't made an appearance yet. And once Mr. Green shows up, I'll be filing my my uh, appearance in the case." And I said then there's no need for you to be talking because until you file that, you're not his lawyer. 
I mean, we want lawyer. We we love our lawyers. We want we want y'all to we do, do well. We. But there are times whether you're the appointed lawyer, whether you're a retained lawyer, you just don't file an entry of appearance. And my magic ball's at the shop. I don't know when you <laughs> were retained or got involved with the case. Please yeah. file an entry of appearance. That's Amen. your, you know, more, the more you know. So, Tane, what's on your top of your pet peeve list, numero uno, for today? Absolute, absolutely. Right. Gosh, I can't wait to get to this one because – I mean, I thought and I thought and I thought, what's the most aggravating thing? Here it is, Wade. And we talked about this a little bit and touched on it in a previous uh, podcast, but I didn't really get to elaborate on it very much. And that is know the flipping hearsay rule. <laughs> know the hearsay rule. What rule comes up in every single case? There is one evidentiary rule that comes up in every single case. I would even say it is so important that if you only know one rule, this is the one you ought to know. Know the hearsay rule. Because I had a lawyer argue with me for a substantial amount of time recently in a case when the other side said, Judge, we are not offering this for the truth of the matter asserted. And it wasn't being offered for the truth of the matter asserted. In fact, it was kind of an absurd statement. So it clearly wasn't being offered for the truth of the matter asserted. And the other lawyer kept saying, but judge, it's hearsay because the other person said it outside of court. And I'm like, but <laughs> it is not being offered for the truth of the matter asserted. And they're like, well, if that were the case, then anything can come in. They can just say they're not offering it for the truth of the matter asserted. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> but that is a part of the hearsay rule. And then the second thing is, if you say the other side objects to something as hearsay, my next thing to you is usually going to be, if it is obviously hearsay, is there an exception that applies? So as a part of knowing the hearsay rule, the next part of that is, also know the exceptions and how they work. I mean, you don't have to walk around knowing that it's 8036 or 8032. No, I don't care about the I don't know the numbers. Not all of them. And you, you don't have to do that. But but think about this. If it's not being offered for the truth of the matter asserted, that doesn't let it in for any reason because then it wouldn't be relevant, right? Because if it's right. not relevant, I mean, that we, we've talked about this before, when you sh how you should analyze, you know, evidentiary issues. But – if the issue that you're claiming, oh, we're not offering for the truth of the matter asserted, we're offering to prove that he was on that street corner at that particular time. If that's not relevant to what we're talking about, you know, what the case is about, then it won't come in. Folks, Tane has, has he articulated this long time ago, and, and, and I can't tell you how much that I kind of went, aha, I hate to give you credit, Tane, but. but <laughs> I know it hurts you. Wade. It it's does. Okay. I, I want it to be my idea that you glommed onto, but <laughs> there've been plenty of those, but it was absolutely the right answer. If you're going to give law student any suggestion that somebody might be on their feet, you know, in a courtroom, learn the hearsay rule. That's going to get you a long way. It's going to accidentally teach you relevance and some others, you know, some, um, authentication rules. I mean, it'll, you'll actually learn those sort of by accident if you learn the hearsay rule. So, that's yeah. Tane's number one uh, beef of the day. That's right. So, Wade, give us give us your second one. What uh, right. What's this, your next thing? This is going to be obvious, and this is going to be – we probably have said some version of this a hundred times. Cases are scheduled for a day, a half day, multiple days, and then on the eve of trial, 
they cancel. Yeah. I know. I know. I mean, it shouldn't be the way it is, Tane, but it is the way it is. The only way to move a case is to set it for an event, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's just unfortunately, as lawyers, we just don't go around trying to negotiate people's stuff out in pending cases because we have other cases until there is some crisis point. We know that. Yeah. But when you set it for a day, a half day, and I'm not trying – everybody loves a settlement. I'm not trying to to denigrate that. But we're digging out of a pandemic, folks. We got cases everywhere. And when you, we lose that much time, it's just incredibly inefficient. And we Because you never tell us until the day before, the day of, the morning of – you you don't tell us that you've got it worked out, so we can't throw something else in there that's that's clamoring for a hearing. We don't have time to to pivot. So, yeah. and I guess my my beef on top of the beef, you know, where's the beef? Especially if the case isn't resolved by why you're having to continue it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll let you all in on a little uh, pre-pandemic secret. Pre-pandemic. If you canceled something on the eve and it was a half a day or a day, sometimes I did a little happy dance because that gave me a day to do some things, do some paperwork, you know, do some things in the office that I needed to do or whatever. Because understand about half of our work takes place in the office, not on the bench. But uh, but now time is the most precious commodity it's ever been for us. I mean, we just don't have enough of it. We have people begging us for hearings every day. And it's sort of like at your dentist's office. If you cancel your appointment at the last minute, they can't fill it in with the, you know, a new root canal or something. That's not the way it works and neither can we. So Tane, give me your numero dos. Yeah. So my second one is this, and we may have touched on this before, but it's this. Do not, under any circumstances, involve me in your email fight. Oh. You're back and forth. Oh. That was Wade's, Wade's oh. involuntary response. And, and by the same token, don't involve my staff in it. Absolutely. They are an extension of me. They are an extension of me. Do not CC us on your petty little argument that you're going to do electronically. No, uh-huh, no, uh-huh, because a, we don't have time for it. B, it has no legal significance because things that you don't file don't, don't occur, don't happen. If it didn't happen in a pleading filed with the, with the clerk's office, it didn't happen. It's like I got this random letter the other day from somebody post-trial uh, that was sent to me and copied to the other side, so it wasn't ex parte. But I was like, this kind of sounds like a motion for reconsideration, but we haven't entered an order yet, so it's not a motion for reconsideration. In fact, it is nothing. It doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. So don't send us those emails. Don't copy us on those emails. If you need a conference call with me, my number is printed in the directory. You get, you call my office, we'll set it up, we'll do a conference. But otherwise, it's sort of like my dad told my teachers in high school. My dad was the uh, football coach at our high school. And he went into the teacher's lounge one day, you know, that place where they used to smoke and drink Coca-Colas. Um, and he said, can I get your attention, please? Can I just ask one thing? Please do not tell me anything that Tane does in your class unless it is something serious enough that you would call someone's parents about it 
because he was tired of hearing about the silly little things that I did in class to annoy my teachers, but that weren't serious enough to call a parent about. So to, to say that I'm the same dad, guy. To say that your dad was the football coach at your high school is, <laughs> is, is I don't know, it, it, it doesn't do its service. Let's be real clear. What name was your dad known by? Corky Kell. So my dad was, yeah, he was, he was, he was a pretty amazing football coach. And people ask me all the time, did you play for your dad? And I say, I was on his team. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Tane, I I can't tell you how much I agree with you. And folks, in case you're not perceiving this, Tane and I don't share these ahead of time. And so you're getting the real time reactions from each other. It's cold. Yeah, it's cold. (laughs) All right. right. So So what's your, what's your third one, Wade? My number three, people who do not close old resolved cases. Amen. Amen. They're just out there. They're just hanging around. Now I'm talking about both criminal and civil. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've been in the process of opening a new circuit this year and that has caused Congratulations on that, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, The Columbia judicial circuit is the newest circuit in Georgia. and, And I've, because I live in Columbia County, I was moved from the Augusta circuit to the Columbia circuit. But in doing that, we have had to do a lot of cleanup of dockets and old stuff. I cannot begin to estimate the number of old cases that are simply sitting around without any resolution. As a lawyer team, when I was practicing, I was always concerned that I would have a pending case. Something came up and I didn't know, have any information about how to reach my client anymore because they've moved, they've got a new phone, they've got a new email, whatever. Did you I, have I was kind of worried about my liability. Did you have that dream where you got called to trial on a case that you didn't even know about, you forgot you made an entry on, and, and you get to court and you don't know anything about the case and you don't have pants on? Is that, no, that did was, you have, that ever was have that my, dream? Th- that dream for me is Spanish class at UGA. Okay. That they're gonna they're gonna take my <laughs> diploma back because they realize that I didn't you know do well. Hola, Wade. Como esta? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Tane, what's your number three? Okay, my my number three thing is is universal. I've talked to judges about it a thousand times, and and, and it's really simple. Know how to tell time. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's pretty basic. And in fact, a lot of watches now are just digital. I mean, it'll just show you the amount of time. In fact, if you want, you can probably hit a little button on your watch and it will count the time for you. But if you tell me your case is going to take 30 minutes and you take two hours, I'm going to be very, very unhappy. Okay. I mean, everybody is. Every judge I know, if you say, Judge, we, we just need 10 minutes, and then an hour later, you're, and you're wanting to call witnesses and stuff, like you knew that wasn't going to take 10 minutes. Like it's going to take you 10 minutes to do opening statement and all of that. So, so listen, learn how to tell time because we reset our calendars. I, I think you do it the same way I do, Wade, but frequently I'll have a calendar and I'll get everyone's announcement of time when they come in and I will recast the calendar in the order of shortest case to longest case or, you know, shortest case with a lawyer to longest case with a lawyer. And uh, it's really critical for us. And going back to what we talked about before about how important time is for us right now, um, it's even more critical that you tell me if your case is going to take a half a day or more, we need to specially set that case. I mean, it's it's not going to go be able to go on a regular calendar where, you know, we're just hearing, you know, 10, 15 minute motions and things. So, Tane, we are in the Augusta, the Augusta circuit, now carried over to the Columbia circuit. We 
as practicing lawyers would have to go and sit in a calendar call and some other circuit and watch two really long-winded lawyers argue over a 10-minute thing for an hour and a half, knowing that we're not doing anything else productive. We're not seeing new clients. We're not going to handle other stuff. We're creating conflicts in other cases. And so in where we are, we try really hard, especially in domestic relations or civil cases, to give you a specific slot, you know, a time slot. Yeah. When you throw yours off, sometimes it works out when people cancel their cases at the last minute and that works out, but sometimes it doesn't. And so now all of the efficiencies we thought we were creating for lawyers are getting blown out the window because these two lawyers are continuing to argue over points that sometimes you think to yourself as the judge, I'm thinking maybe this should have already been resolved. I'm just throwing that out there as a crazy man. But but why are we arguing over this? Yeah, and, and two things there. You're the same kind of judge I am in a lot of ways, and and I like to let people try their own case. You know, I don't. I'm not the guy who wants to cut people off and say, "Well, you get guys, this is of no, you know, this this is irrelevant or whatever." I, I try not to do that to people. I try to let them try their case. But if you run over in a situation like that, you give me two really bad choices. Number one, I can stop you in the middle of your case, which is really bad for me as ADD as I am. It's still a bad thing. Stop you in the middle of your case and say, we're going to have to take this up at a later time. Or you're going to have to come back at the end of the day today. Or, you know, we're going to have to set it up on a different day. Or the second choice is I let you steal time from someone else. I let you go over into their announced time to to do theirs. Those both of those choices are bad. Neither one of those is good. So, uh, I, I you know get off my lawn. I'm shaking my fist right now. Don't do that. <laughs> Learn how Stop to tell time. That's a great line. So, folks, we're going to continue this series of things we hate or pet peeves or whatever, and get off my lawn, guy. Old judge complaining session. But at this point in time, we're going to wrap to this episode up so that you don't get down and depressed and think that all we do is complain. Yeah, but we do really appreciate you guys letting us vent because it really makes me feel better. Wade, does it make you feel better? Yeah. Having a forum to let all that out ah, feels so refreshing. With that being said, don't forget to reach out to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com or visit our website at goodjudgepod.com and let us know what you think. If this is helpful, if this is not helpful, if this is just two old guys grousing, um, <laughs> but with, <laughs> grousing, that's a great word. That's a great word. So with that, I'm Wade Paget, And I'm Tane Kell. And hey, learn how to tell time. Well, folks, that's all we have for another exciting and enthralling topic here on the Good Judgment Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. This project was the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, the executive director of ICJE. Thanks and appreciation to the entire University of Georgia College of Law for assisting in our recording. Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, who helped edit out some of our stupidity and awkwardness. But nobody can get it all. Tane and I are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court Judges across Georgia. Thanks to our NJO graduates who've been willing to help with this podcast series. You know that these are our opinions and they do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anybody else for that matter. 
You can contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com for any praise, but please contact someone else with any complaints. But seriously, we would love to have your feedback, both good and bad. Send any comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. You've been doing a great job doing that, and we really appreciate the help. You can also visit our website at goodjudgepod.com for outlines and more details about our podcasts. Once again, I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast.